Okay. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hello, Rory. Paul, it's great to be here. Thank you, my friend. I'm glad you're here. Uh, this podcast is all about having people develop to their potential, and that's Absolutely. what you focus on every day. Right? Uh, I get geeked up when, when I help people you know, overcome challenges, overcome obstacles. They're able to get their highest level of performance, and they look back and they say, you know, thanks for helping me get there. That's pretty exciting. You want to make sure that they have the skills, the mm -hmm. skills to pay the bills. Is what <laughs> I've heard you say so many times. <laughs> no, but today we're talking about the skills of coaching. Right, right the skills of yeah. coaching. And this is really out of a chapter out of Graham Alexander's book, Super Coaching. Uh, Graham Alexander, if you don't know who he is, he actually kind of started the coaching craze in the UK with John Whitmore when, and John Whitmore wrote the book uh, Coaching Performance. We've talked about that a number of times yeah, on this session. Almost every time. That's a really good reference for folks. Yeah, that's that's my go-to. That's the, mm -hmm. in my opinion, the Bible of coaching. But if you're a coach and you want to really progress your skills to the next highest level, I would certainly recommend Super Coaching. Now, it's not a, it's not a quick read because it's about 400 pages long. Okay. So, you know, be prepared that you're going to go you're, it's, it's going to take you a while to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I found it to be an incredibly uh, great book. And we're actually going to talk about the chapter on skills of coaching today and some, just some of the concepts that he talks about there that I think are so important uh, for coaches to be aware of, to say these are the things that, that we should do. And so you know, there's just a whole host of ideas here. He says one is you're not, you're not going to become an expert overnight uh, and just relax. You know, uh -huh. you, Once you learn how to ask questions and delve into that, uh, you're going to get better at it like any other skill. Mm -hmm. And so – and it's also a mindset skill. Uh, it's gonna, it's going to take you a while to become where you're always thinking about asking questions uh, rather than answering or telling somebody to do something. You know, you've got to kind of unlearn that I'm going to tell you how to do this to then relearn asking questions to build awareness and, and responsibility on, the, on behalf of the individual. An important concept because you probably run into people who say, "I tried, I tried coaching, it didn't work." Right. One time. Right. Well, no, you got to develop your skills. <laughs> right. Uh, just like uh, exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I had a, a CEO this week and she said to me, I, the only thing I can stress to other CEOs is it's not a one time. You're not a one and done thing. You mm -hmm. can't just have Rory come in do a session with your staff and the managers know how to coach. It's not a one and done thing. You've got to repeat this behavior over and over again so people absorb it yeah. and get it. So that's, the, that's another key. That's a good concept. Absolutely. Another great concept that he had in his book is it's not possible to coach someone on a topic which he or she has ah, little interest. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, you know, it's the old light bulb joke. They got to be willing to change. I see. You know, it's the old, well, let's tell people the joke so we don't leave them hanging. <laughs> but it's the old, how many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. The light bulb's got to be willing to change. Uh... <laughs> Come on, at least give me a pity yeah. laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We need a pity laugh. We certainly need a pity laugh. But I think it's just a, an incredibly important concept. Another concept that he talks well, about. I mean, go ahead. It's it's you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's a right. pretty old adage mm -hmm. that you can do what you can do, but if they don't have the interest in it, you can't uh, have that much effect. Can't do it. it. Is there a way to identify? I mean, I guess it's pretty self-evident people aren't interested in it, but. What do you do in that coaching situation? Yeah. Maybe you just ask them, right? A absolutely. Do you have an interest in developing this skill? Right. On a scale of one to ten, how important is this to you? Yeah. You know, and if they're and if they're giving you a two, 
and eh, probably yeah. don't pursue it. Right. But if somebody says, this is a 10, man, I want to, I want to knock this out of the park. What do I do? And they just continue to ask for more projects then help them develop that skill, mm-hmm. uh, you know, develop. And, and I think that's part of the art of, of being a coach is to find those people in your organization who really want to develop. And I think that's the importance of asking the questions to finding out those folks who really want to develop when they want to improve and then working with them. Right. Uh, that's the essence of, of great coaching. Yeah. And another great concept he has in here by Timothy Galloway, the, uh, who's the author of the classic book, The Inner Game of Tennis, who really helped Graham Alexander and John Whitmore kind of develop the concepts of coaching. But Timothy Galloway talks about it, an incredibly important concept, the concept of self one and self two, uh, to you know basically dis- describe the dynamics of yourself that happen within yourself. And so he says self one is the voice in your head, the inner voice of thoughts and feelings. But I also like the description there. It's the voice in your head of your parents, your teachers, your bosses, all those all those figures of authority all in your life. Critics. All those critics. Uh, that you saw, you ought to do this, you ought to do that, you ought to do this. And that's really and that's why the typical coaching doesn't work is because you're you're really bringing people into their self one. They not only do they hear your criticism, but they hear it's almost like a chorus of all those other self ones back there going, you're right. He can't do it. There's no way he's going to choke. He's going to fail. This is just one more time. And they, it's not only just that one voice of self one. It's an entire chorus of those people, you know, chiming in saying that you can't do that. Whereas self two is that innate ability within yourself. It's it's that it's that voice where you don't you don't even hear any other voices. You're just completely absorbed in a concept and you're so absorbed in that concept. You get a sense of flow, a sense of gliding, a sense of effortlessness. That's the self you want to get. So what they call this is, is interference and interference is when you're having those other voices, those self one voices talking and that person's trying to accomplish something. It helps. It keeps them from full potential because the definition of, of potential is performance minus interference. Mm. So you can't you can't hit your full potential, you know, because you're performing at this level. But you know, well, actually, excuse me, it's per, it's performance equals potential minus interference. So where you're okay. performing at right now is equal to your potential, which could be a hundred percent. But let's say you're performing at eighty percent because interference is twenty percent of it, or interference might be forty percent of it. So you could you could perform at a hundred percent. But now you're performing at 60% because that other 40% is all those voices in your head saying you can't yeah. do it. And the self the self one is that voice that adds those uh, interference. Right. right? It, it, it's all those critics in your in your life that you've, we've all heard. We all know them. And, you know, we all try, you know, whether event you're trying, you basically say relax, focus. Um, it's one of the things that they in baseball um, – you, you've seen the exercise where they actually put a number on a baseball and throw it at a player. And then they don't ask him, did you watch the ball? What they say is, what number was on the ball? Well, of course, you've got to see the ball in order to track it, to see mm-hmm. what the number is. And if you can tell us what the ball is, then you, you don't have to tell them, watch the ball. They're watching the ball because they're trying to discover what the number is. So it changes the value of the question from, are you watching the ball, to what's the number on the yeah, ball? And what that does is it, the reason that question is so important is it reduces the interference. Because if you say you got to watch the ball, then that's self one that, you know, everybody's saying, oh, you can't watch the ball. You get, you know, you get distracted, blah, blah, blah. You hear all those other voices. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're, if you're focused on just the number of the ball, then it's that innate ability within you. That's that, that second self who's going to focus on it. And then your hand-eye coordination can help you do that. And so that's why they do that in baseball is to help distract them from that self one criticism to being that more innate ability of, oh, I can hit the ball. If I can see the number. 
I can tag this. Interesting. Yeah. So it, I think that's just an, an incredibly important mm-hmm. concept. And so what you've got to recognize as a coach, if you can help people avoid self one and get them into self two by asking them questions that because self two is that ain't an ability, but it's also that that one that seeks things out. Like the old saying goes with with students or with, with children. Children love to learn, but they hate to be taught. Mm-hmm. I think with with adults, they hate to be told, but they love to discover. And it's almost that same concept with ourselves. And if we are asking questions that help employees discover their full self, their full potential, rather than telling them what to do, because people hate to be told what to do, but they'd love to discover. And if we can help them discover it, um, then we can help them to their full potential. And that that's what the self two is mm-hmm. will help you get there. Absolutely. Right? Self two is that sense of gliding. And we've all had those events in our lives when we're just doing something, we're totally absorbed into it. And uh, and what it and what that does for us mm-hmm. to be totally absorbed into something and not to be thinking about anything else, and it just takes you to a place that's you know blissful and peaceful and it's, it's in there it's in your head, but it's far far away from those negative voices that or those voices of authority that might say something to you that you don't need. And I just think that's an incredibly powerful Absolutely. concept by Timothy Galloway. Absolutely. Okay. And. The, the secret of effective questioning, this is another concept he had in here. The secret of effective question is to know both the right time and the right type of questions to Ooh. ask. And that's the art and science of it. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 and when you get, when you get at it, um, you know, I, it doesn't happen all the time in my coaching sessions, but this week I had a, a client say to me, I mean, that was a breakthrough. And it's because the sequence of questions that we worked with with her, I mean, she was having a big obstacle and it could have been career ending. And, I was, I was, I was literally physically afraid for her if she continued down this path that her career may be oh, wow. a, a, a legitimate concern. So, I mean, I, I talked to other people about this. How do I proceed? How do I go forward? And I came up with a sequence of questions and we should, and I'll probably do this in another two or three uh, episodes down the road is talk about this event. But, you know, I had to come up with a series of questions to create her sense of awareness and her sense of responsibility so that she could see the event without me doing self one and being critical, but she could then discover for herself how her behavior was keeping her from where she's going. It sounds like it's any other skill where you know to do the questions, you ask the questions, and then you just continue to get better at mm-hmm. the sequence of the questions and and when and and what they are. Am I correct with that? Yeah, and, and when you do it enough, it's just like any skill. You start to see certain patterns of human nature that you would discover. And so now I've done it enough with enough under with enough people mm-hmm. that I feel more comfortable with it. Now, if I'm working with a client who's going to coach somebody else, let's say I was working with an, an, uh, a gentleman this week and he had an employee who did something really stupid. Uh, we won't go into his details, but, you know, dumb move. And he was going to talk to him. And the manager was incredibly uh, disappointed in this person's behavior and incredibly, I mean, how can you do this? Like, Hello, McFly. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything in there? Yeah, just incredibly stupid mistake. But the key for the manager is to step back. And I and I asked the manager, "Do you want to keep this employee? Yes. Do you want to keep the relationship? Yes. You're disappointed. Yes. You feel you feel lied to. Yes. Um, where do you want this to go? He says, "I want them to take responsibility, but to you know to promise me that in, in the future when they're having these issues like this, we'll communicate effectively." I think mean, that's a great place to go. Then then let's let's mm-hmm. get a sequence of questions for them to do that. Uh, to process. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's taken us a couple of emails back and forth to get there. But back to the first concept, mm-hmm. 
you don't have to know that exactly to start being a coach. This is going to develop over time. Right. The, The key is with coaching, it is not the sequence. It's the level of care. Okay. If they know that you care about them and that you're trying to find a way to help them discover it, the sequence of the questions or the, or the kinds of questions you ask will not matter. And the, then as you get better, though, the, that sequence will, will get better as well. The sequence right? will get better, and the, you know, and the care and concern will get better, too. Okay. But if you come from a standpoint of care and concern first, and then your sequence of questions are, will improve, then you're starting to start mastering the skill. And that's when, you, that's when, you, that's when it gets really fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like driving a car at... You know, it's like driving, you know, an Indy 500 car. You can do it fast. You can do it quickly. You can do it with incredible confidence, and you can do it on, you know, dan- dangerous levels, but still get the job done. Excellent. So yeah, that's, that's just a. Uh, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's just it's just great. It's just a great concept. It's not, uh, and and so I just love, um, you know, super coaching because it's just it's such such a powerful uh, book on just the concepts he puts in there. It's just really really uh, very very powerful, and then. You know, he says on, on page 208 of the book, he says the most basic concept or the most basic human need is the need to be understood. The best way to understand people is to listen to them. And that's by a guy named Ralph Nichols, and he's actually quoted in the book. And I just think that's the foundation of coaching is, is to really get good at listening mm-hmm. to understand what's driving this barrier, what's driving this approach, what's keeping them from achieving the goal that they want to achieve mm-hmm. you know what and if you can listen to that level and you can help identify that and say i think i hear this or i think i hear that uh, that's such a an important concept but, but you don't want to say I, I hear you saying this i hear you saying this i hear you saying this which leads to the idea on page 214 he says it's helpful to paraphrase such things as this is what i think you're saying or let me play it back uh this is what i think you heard this is what i think i've heard or let me check my understanding. You can see that he used three different transitions there. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's important is because you, you destroy your competence, your credibility, and your composure if you use the same transition every time. Okay. There have been studies on people uh, on this. So let me ask you, let's say you and I are having a conversation, and I say, I hear you saying this, 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 I hear you saying this. And, of course, I paraphrase in between there. But eventually your mind is going to pick up yeah. on yeah, you, you do not hear what I'm saying. You're you're just saying you're just, you're just saying back. the same thing, yes. right? I hear you saying this, but I might paraphrase. But then I would say, you know, I hear you saying this. The key is, in order to maintain your credibility, your, your confidence, and your composure, is to change your transitions. Just like he mentioned there, when you paraphrase, change your transitions. This is what I was thinking you're saying, or let me play it back to you, or let me check let me check my understanding. Those are three different transitions. Or I'd never thought of it that way. That's mm-hmm. interesting. You take this and this and this. Or what you're saying is she did this. Am I hearing you correctly there? The, just having a way to to say that, but be aware of, be cognizant of the fact that you need to change your transitions so that you can, in fact, be more confident and credible in the process. Powerful stuff. Yeah, it, 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 I I just love his book. I just mm-hmm. cannot recommend super coaching enough. And so it has, in fact, been for the last three weeks I've been on planes. It has been the the <laughs> book of choice. Even when I was on. Uh, a getaway weekend with my wife uh, on the plane back there and on the plane back. Guess what I was reading? I was reading, you know, she was watching some stuff on, on her Kindle and I was reading super coaching <laughs> <laughs> while we're on the plane. Must be a good book. Yeah, it was a, it's a great book. And then he's got another concept on page 215. He says, it's important to recognize that feedback is as much about identifying people's strengths and successes as it is about the development needs. Mm. And I just think this is... Wow. So often we think about feedback is we need to correct people. 
And feedback is not about correcting people. It's also recognizing their strengths and what they're good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're really good at this. You're really good at that. I love how you've done this. And you're going to be you're a rock star now, but you're going to be stratospheric when you do this. Because uh, so many coaches do. You do this well, you do this well, you do this well. But, and then, of course, exactly. the employee says it's over. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to drop the other foot and trying to uh, maybe develop someone in a skill they don't have in the first place. Right. As opposed to developing their skills their strengths yeah, when you, absolutely when you hear the word but it just completely yeah. throws it derails everything yeah i mean you just you can almost hear the conversation crashing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> i just thought i'd throw some sound effects sound in effects, there yeah. yeah just throw those in there that's good but but the key is also the feedback and this is the last concept we're going to talk about in, in super coaching in this chapter right here on the uh the skills of coaching is um you know, the, the key of feedback in order to adopt an attitude of conducive to receiving feedback, we suggest considering the following questions. And this is the questions he said that he would recommend that, that we follow. And, um, you know, I, I've um, this week I had the CEO gave me some feedback. OK. And she said we need to change the training this way, which was great because guess what? <laughs> that means that she's thinking about having me back next year, which good. is ching ding 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 ching ching, uh, which I like the money, right? And I want to be back with a client because it's so hard to find a new client. But if you can, re- you know, get the relationship with that client, mm-hmm. that's an important key. So she gave me some feedback, but I haven't always been conducive to feedback. I haven't always been willing to hear it, and I think that's a mistake of a lot of consultants and a lot of uh, a lot of coaches. If you're not willing to get feedback, you can't improve yourself, and so. Um, Graham Alexander puts on here uh, four, uh, or excuse me, Alexander Graham puts on here four uh, points that are so critical uh, to uh, our success. And he says, number one, uh, do I understand the feedback, which is really critical because if you don't understand it, (laughs) you you may implement the wrong thing. And it goes back to the skills of listening and questions Mm -hmm. again to, to help you understand that. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that client. If somebody says to me, you know, we ought to do this, we ought to do that. Well, help clarify that. Can you give me an example? Can you, let's diagram that. Can we draw it out? Whatever it needs so that we get clarity so that you can say back to them, okay, this is what I plan to do with this. Is that your, is that your vision? Is that your, your plan for it? And that way you're both in the same hymnal, same page, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just assuming and saying, oh, yeah, I can do that. Then they may not know that, that they're there. So that's the first question. Do I understand the feedback? The second one, is it valid? And, 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 and it is, and that's, something you've got to make the call uh is it a valid is it valid feedback do you need to make this change most of the time so i will tell you this if a client brings me something and there's a little bit of a kind of a frog in their throat i don't know how to bring this up to you um i'm almost already at valid okay because it's something that's a challenge for them and they know that it's really important for them for their organization to implement this and i'm already there um but if they if they mention something off the cuff that we can think about Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier, let's say they say, hey, let's do coaching sessions at the end of the day. You know, is is it a valid concern? Yeah. Should we implement it? Probably not. I guess maybe you could look at valid also. Would you put this, you were talking a couple episodes ago about the manager that would walk around and say, good job, good job, good job. Right. And the CEO said, if that shows up on the performance appraisal again, you're fired. Right. That's not necessarily valid either. Even though it may be positive feedback, mm-hmm. right. it's not valid. Right. It, it, it may not be valid. It may not be valid feedback. So you're saying, you know, valid feedback from the CEO's perspective or valid. I guess f- what I'm saying is just valid. It, the concept is important that you 
get to reject feedback. Mm. And just because it's positive feedback, you maybe should reject it too. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, and I, if I'm hearing your point correctly, <laughs> notice the paraphrase there. Uh-huh. But if I hear your point correctly, going back to the CEO and the manager who wrote, good job, to that employee, is that valid feedback? No, because it's not very clear. That's it right. doesn't give that's them much of a description. Yeah, yeah. That, and, that, and that's what I thought your right. point was, is that manager, when they just say, good job, that's not valid feedback. Right. That's not important feedback. Mm-hmm. That's not feedback that makes a difference for that that's individual. Right. Yeah. That's right. And I, I think that's a that's a very valid point. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, just thought, I appreciate I just, your feedback. I just try to, I just try to put, <laughs> I just wanted to use the word valid in there. And um, another important key is, you know, the, the second question. The first question is obviously, do I understand the feedback? The second question is, is it valid? The third question is, is it important? Um, is it going to be something that's going to make a difference in the relationship of coaching? Is there going to be something that I can use to make an impact uh, in the organization? And the feedback the, the CEO gave me earlier about changing the uh, uh, the training, uh, not only was it valid, it was spot on, and it would improve the training significantly. So not only was it important, I think it was critical for implementation. And then the last one is, um, you know, a great question, do I want to change? Mm. And um, I will tell you the reason I do this is I want to change. I want folks to change. I want them to get better. I want them to have better lives. I want them to have less stress. I want them to have more success. I want them to make more money. Mm-hmm. And if they if they improve their skill sets, they can do this. So these four questions are great questions on giving feedback. You know, do I understand the feedback? Is it valid? Is it important? And do I want to change? Really good ones. And they're just absolutely terrific. And I think it's important for us, too. Uh, to hear feedback, you know, from our coaching. Do I understand the feedback they're giving me on my coaching? Is this feedback valid on my on my coaching skills? It is important for me to get better. Is is it important feedback so I can get better as a coach? And then do I want to change? And I hope uh, the answer is not only yes, but a resounding yes on I want to get better as a coach because we've got to do that. Those are really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, folks, go ahead and take another 20 minutes and listen to these again because I really do think it's really important mm-hmm. stuff to develop those skills of coaching. Repetition is the mother of learning. The other thing they can do is get a hold of you. How do they do that? Yep. My website is RoryRoland.com R-O-R-Y-R-O-W-L-A-N-D Just uh, look me up there. It's got my phone number. It's got my uh, email address and send me an email and I'd love to help and, and chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Roland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.